Thanks for joining us for the Belgium Community Church Sermon Podcast. Our current series is called Not Alone. Even if we are surrounded with people, many of us feel alone at Christmas. Something or someone feels missing. But if the Christmas baby is truly God with us, then that means that no one is alone this Christmas. We live in a world where every kind of information is available to us at any, any moment. If we pull out our phones, we can look up anything. And so when we shop for a car, when we're shopping for some clothes, we can search and find where is that available anywhere else? What's the price? What's this made out of? How do I do this? How do I do that? We live in a world where information is available to us all the time. At our house, we pull out our phone, or I'll leave my phone on the desk, and we'll ask our Google or Alexa Siri and say, hey, can you answer me this question? How do you say this in this language? How do we do that? We live in a world filled with information, but how often do we get into a situation and we go, if I had actually known this, I'd have taken a different job. If I had actually known this, I would have bought a different car. If I had, if I had actually known this, then I would have entered into that relationship very, very differently than I, than I have. So we, we live in a world with lots of information, bombarded by information, but so often we still don't know the things that we really need to know. We know some facts. We don't actually know what does wisdom look like. We don't actually know what is this, what road is this going to take me down if I follow this road. So some of you are sitting here today thinking about a financial situation, and you go, what do I need to know so I can make a good decision about our finances? My phone can't answer me what's going to happen in some of you are looking at taking a job and you go, what's going to happen if I go down this road? If I, if I go down this road with a, a small child or an adult child, what's the result going to be? Each of us comes today with unanswered questions and looking and saying, what is going to be out there? What information is it that I need so I can make the right decision, so I can make the right call? I bring that up today because we're here in this Christmas season, walking through the book of Matthew, and we get a story where there's a guy in just the same situation you and I are in. You see, Matthew tells the Christmas story mostly from Joseph's perspective. We often hear Mary's perspective from the book of Luke, which is good. That's what we talked through last year. This year, we're like, what does it look like from Matthew's or from Joseph's perspective? So go ahead and turn with me to the book of Matthew, chapter 1. Today we're going to be in verses 18 to 25. This is the story of Jesus from Joseph's perspective. You could call it the origin story of Jesus and how he, from Joseph's side, becomes a part of David's line. Last week, we talked through the genealogy of Jesus that points us to the fact that Jesus is the promised son of Abraham that blesses the world, that blesses the nation, that Jesus is the promised king of David who will, who will bring God's kingdom to earth, that Jesus is the Christ, the deliverer. For you and I. But the story's going to tell us that he's, in one sense, not Joseph's son. And so, how did he become, through Joseph, this promised child? Let's read Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah, the Christ, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law 
and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son. and You are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. and They will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name Jesus. Let's pray. God, as we open your word, we come into your word today just like Joseph. We need to hear you. We need to hear your perspective. We need to hear your revelation. Or else we will not understand. Give us ears to hear in Jesus' name. So this story is Joseph's story. This is the the story of Jesus through Joseph's line. Kind of straightforward on some of the facts. He was engaged to be married. He was pledged to be married to a young woman named Mary. In those days, an engagement was uh, at least a year long, and it was a lot more binding than our engagements are. She couldn't just give the ring back. This would, they had to go through a divorce to end this promised marriage. So Joseph is pledged to be married to Mary. They're in this waiting period. And imagine it from his perspective. Mary says, Joseph, I need you to sit down. And I have to tell you that I'm pregnant. It is not like you think. There is no way for her to explain this to Joseph in any good way. She can say an angel has appeared to me, but from all of Joseph's perspective, Mary has broken their marriage vows before it's even started. And so here he is. Now I have to divorce her because the, the, the Bible doesn't require that this, but the Jewish regulations at the time, they've, they'd kind of added to the law to protect it, had said, you, you need a divorce. And so the description of Joseph here, She was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. It says, because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to law. Your translation might say righteous. Joseph was an upstanding man who said, she's broken the law, then I can't marry her. From my perspective, like there's there's no other choice to make. Joseph looks at the situation and makes the only decision he knows how to make based on the information that she'd given him. So he decided, but notice it says he didn't want to expose her to public disgrace. That even though Joseph follows the law and is righteous, he still has this compassionate heart. He says, I don't want to, I don't want to expose her. I, I've got compassion on her. She's going to have a hard enough life as it is. I'm not going to make this a public deal. And so Joseph, in Joseph, we find his righteousness, his faithfulness to the law, combined with compassion and ignorance. Because he makes the only decision he knows how to make. He can't marry her because she's cheated on him. And so Joseph decides that he's going to divorce her quietly. So, Joseph does the thing with the information that he has that makes sense. Then, verse 22 says, but after he had considered this, while he was considering this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. This is the crisis moment because Joseph doesn't understand the story. Mary said that she's pregnant. She claims that an angel appeared to her and said that the Holy Spirit but this has never happened before. It doesn't make any sense. It's a lot more sensible that she cheated. 
And so, in this crisis moment, Joseph's ignorance meets the angel of the Lord who appears to him in a dream and says, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She's telling you the truth, Joseph. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said to the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel which means God with us. So in this moment of ignorance, the angel doesn't just say, Joseph, here's what you need to do. It's, Joseph, this is what God is doing. Joseph, this is what God is doing. God is keeping His promises. Look, the fulfillment of all of God's promises are taking place right here. Remember the words. Remember the words of the prophet. From God's perspective, the promise is coming true. Joseph, God is up to something. He is sending a baby. You're going to give him this name because God is going to save his people from their sins. That means you, Joseph, and that means the people in your village, and that means the people of Israel. God is keeping his promise to save his people. Joseph's ignorance is meeting this revelation of God who says, this baby will be God with us. We'll give him a special name. Then Joseph finds himself with a choice to make which is where verse 24 picks up. Joseph makes the only decision that he knows how to make at the beginning. The angel of the Lord comes and reveals this is what God is doing. And then Joseph has a choice to make. When he gets up, is he going to say this is just a dream? Is this really happening? Well, maybe maybe the promises aren't going to come true. Maybe I can put her away quietly and then but I'll keep my eye on this baby and see if this promise is going to come true. No, what we find in Joseph is Joseph's response to God's revelation is that when he woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son. And then here he does, and he gives him the name Jesus. So what Joseph has to do here is he has to respond to God's revelation. What is going to, Joseph going to do? Is he going to put it to the side? Is he going to hope think things turn out okay? This passage says that Joseph's response, Joseph obeys the angel. Joseph's situation is you and I's situation. We look at the situation and we don't have all the information. We need God to come and tell us what he's doing at Christmas. We need God to tell us what he's doing in our financial situation. We need God to reveal what he's doing to in and through our lives as we deal with shame and guilt and the need for wisdom. As we deal with all of these situations, we find ourselves in the same situation as Joseph. We don't know enough. God, can you reveal what it is that you are up to? What I want to show you today is that we are called in this passage to hear and respond to God's Christmas story. We we think that we know what God is up to, but at Christmas we are called to stop and to listen to what God is doing. And I want to show you from this is two ways that we participate in this Christmas story. First, we must listen to God tell the Christmas story. We must hear God's revelation of Christmas. Like I said a moment ago, Joseph's problem is our problem. And so our first need at Christmas is to sit still and listen and say, God, what is it you are doing. And in this story, through Joseph, God comes and says, I'm keeping my promises. He says this, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel. What the angel is doing is reminding Joseph that God is keeping his promises. 
And so at Christmas, you and I are called, as we look at our financial situations, and we look at health situations, as we look at our need for wisdom, as we look at our need for being freed from our sin and from our shame and our guilt, we need to hear from God that God is not slow in keeping His promises. He keeps them in just the right time. And so you and I maybe need to hear that nobody is going to snatch you out of my hand. We might need to hear the promise of God when we deal with guilt and shame, that no one's going to take you out of my hand. Nobody's going to take you too far. We might need to hear that God is not finished with us. We might need to hear the promise of God that what He starts in us, He is going to finish in us. We might need to hear at Christmas that God does not fall asleep on the job. No financial situation, no medical diagnosis, no relationship difficulty, no child wandering from the faith. Any of those are going to keep inhibit God's promises for us. No, we need to hear like Joseph that God's keeping his promises. Christmas is this call. Listen and believe that God is actually at work in the world. None of these promises are forgotten. Maybe you need to hear that. God saves His people. This, in this passage, He says, Joseph, name Him Jesus as a reminder to you day after day that He is going to save His people from their sins. And so maybe you and I need to hear, you know what, it doesn't rest on me for me to be saved. It's actually Jesus that saves and so it's secure. Maybe you and I this Christmas need to say that Jesus is the one that saves me. Nothing I've done this year is going to disqualify me. Nothing I'm going to do this next year is going to disqualify me from God's salvation because it's Jesus that does it. Maybe you need to hear, like Joseph, that his name will be Emmanuel, that God is with us. Maybe you need to hear this Christmas that you are not alone and that God takes as his own name God with us. Maybe you need to hear this Christmas as there are fewer people around the table than you wanted. Maybe there's nobody around the table this year that you want. Maybe there's not a baby this Christmas like you wanted. Maybe there's an adult child that's wandering from the faith. You need to hear from God that Jesus says, I am here at your Christmas. I am at the Christmas table. Maybe there's a spouse that you wanted to be at the table this year, and yet you're single again this year. This passage says that he says, I am God with you. I'm at that table with you this Christmas. You are not alone. This is my name. And I will be with you here at Christmas. I was at a, I was at a village meeting this week. And uh, it got kind of tense about some things. It ended up okay. But it got kind of tense. And in the middle of this, this guy comes in with a big roll of like plants. I mean, I don't know if it's land, I don't know if it's buildings, I don't know what the deal was, but this guy comes in, and he sits down on the front row. The meeting's already tense, and I'm like, uh-oh, we're just about to go to a whole other level. I don't know what's about to happen here. And somebody said, um, sir, what is it that you're needing? And he said, I'm here for so-and-so a meeting. And it turns out he was in the wrong building. He was supposed to be across town at the town meeting. But he had to walk up to the table because he had really large hearing aids, and he said, I can't hear. And so he had to walk all the way up to the very front of the table to hear what they had to say because, and it turns out, he was at the wrong table. 
They had to speak loudly and he had to get close. And I'm telling you that story because here at Christmas, you and I are like the man with plans in our hands, large hearing aids because we can't hear very well. And we have to come up close and really personal to hear from God. What are you doing with Christmas, God? God, what are you doing this Christmas? Because if you don't speak and tell me what you're up to, then I won't have any idea what's happening. You and I are that guy. And the good news of Christmas is that here in Matthew, God tells us what he's up to. I'm keeping my promises to you. I will save you. Nobody's going to snatch you out of my hand. And you are not alone this Christmas because I have come to be with you. And so the call to you and I is to lean in close, come close to the head table and hear God's revelation at Christmas just like Joseph. And then the second thing. The second way that we participate in Christmas is then we are called to respond in faith. You see, the situation didn't actually change. Joseph obeyed the angel, took her as his wife, and then he acted in faith to name him Jesus. But notice that he has to take on the reproach of Mary and Jesus to do it. Nobody else had got to see the angel. Nobody else knows that this child is a child of the Holy Spirit. And so Joseph has to do the, the thing that you do if you believe God. Joseph does the thing that we are called to do when we believe what God has to say, acting in faith, even though the situation may not have changed. We're called to step out and respond. And take that step. Do the thing that he's called us to do. Joseph marries Mary, names him Jesus, takes on the shame and takes on the difficulty that he never planned on taking because God revealed what he was up to. So the call to you and I is to say, this is what God has said. This is what God has said about me, and I'm going to act based on that. This is what God has said about my family, and even though I don't see it, even though my kids haven't changed, even though my kids are still wandering from the Lord, even though my young children do not respond to the discipline and correction that I, He has called me to give them, I'm going to act in faith, trusting that He's up to something, not based on what I can see. I'm reminded of another Joseph. Joseph in the Old Testament he was the favorite son. And then he starts getting knocked down as his brothers sell him into slavery. And then he becomes a servant in the house. And then he gets even lower and he goes and gets put in prison. But, but what's wild about the story of Joseph is how he acts. You see, like, he keeps getting lower and lower. And every place lower that he goes, he ends up being faithful. Like, notice in the story, instead of sulking and saying, forget this, I don't, I don't want to be a servant in Potiphar's house. Like prison, she lied about me. I didn't do anything. I don't want to be here. Instead, in each place, each lower place that Joseph goes, he acts faithfully. And what's so interesting about the story is that the lower he goes, just the book of Genesis says, and the Lord was with Joseph. Sure didn't feel like it. The Lord is with Joseph when he goes to be the servant in somebody's house instead of the favorite son, Jacob. The Lord is with Joseph when he goes into the prison instead of being in the servant's house. And what we find in that, where I heard one preacher say, is that Joseph acts the way that you act only if you believe it's true that God is with you. His situation didn't ever change. It didn't get, it didn't get better right there in the, in the servant's house or in prison. It keeps getting lower and lower. And he stays faithful because he believed that the Lord was with him. 
And then ultimately, God's promises did come true in Joseph's life and in his family. And I think of Joseph because that's the same thing that we find here. That Joseph believes that God is with me, that God is with Mary, that God, Jesus is the one that will save, that God is keeping his promises, and so I'm going to obey and take this woman as my wife, even though it's scandalous. I'm going to name this boy Jesus, even though it doesn't look to anybody else like he's special. I'm going to go down to Egypt, as we will find later, running from the king, because I believe that God is telling the truth. It's not going to be easy, but I'm going to respond in faith to what God tells me He's up to. And that's the call to you and I, is to respond in faith that God is with us, to live like that's true. He says that He will be with me. Today it doesn't really feel like it, and so I'm going to get up and I'm going to put one foot in front of the other, trusting that God is with me. I'm going I'm to go into this difficult situation and this difficult relationship, and I am going to trust that God means it when He says that He's with me. And that I won't be alone at my workplace, in my home, not going to be alone because he says that he's with me. I am going to respond in faith that Jesus is the one that saved me, not me. I don't have to undo all the idolatry and sin that I've lived with. I can instead trust that he said he saves me, and so I'm saved. Nobody can snatch me out of his hand. I'm going to trust that he keeps his promises. Doesn't feel like it. This last year, these last 10 years, these last 20 years, these last 30 years don't feel like Promises kept. He says that he's got his promises and he says he's not going to leave me. And so I'm going to put one foot in front of the other, trusting that God is keeping his promises. So the call to us is to hear and respond at Christmas, to hear God's version of the story and to then respond in faith that he's doing what he promised and that he's not done with us. And yet we come to the Christmas story. And I, I so often hear other stories, hear other roots to my problems and find other routes that I think I can fix it. I try to grab hold of my life and something that's going to instead fulfill me and say, well, God says that he's never left me, but I feel alone, so I'm going to grab onto this, believing that this will fulfill and keep me from feeling alone. I, I know God has said that he's the one that saves, but maybe if I just, just keep these rules better, maybe if I, I'm just a little bit better, then I can save myself. Maybe I can make my plans for my life happen. And so here I come to this story. And I go, oh, well, this is good news, except Monday morning, or Tuesday morning, or Wednesday night, I'm going to find myself falling flat on my face, listening to other stories, and responding not in faith, but responding to what I can see. Where is the good news for people like you and for me that come to Christmas in not responding in faith, but responding in our flesh? Not listening to God's version of the story, but doing all the speaking ourselves. Where is the good news for us? The Bible tells us that morning after morning, Jesus would go by a way by himself to pray, to listen to the Father, to worship the Father, to hear what God has to say over him, not what the crowds or what the Pharisees or what anybody else has to say about him. And that Jesus is the one who lived moment by moment by faith, even when it took him to carrying a cross up a hill, being beaten and being spat upon and suffering, dying and suffocating on a cross, responding in faith the entire time instead of responding to what he can see. Instead, he looks for the affection of his father. 
And I tell you that because that becomes our story when we trust him in in faith. When we repent and trust in Christ, then his listening becomes our record. His response in faith becomes our response in faith. And so then this becomes a good news passage to us, not just a law for us to try and keep. Instead of just listen harder, just respond with some more faith, it's instead, oh, come and receive. Come and receive the affection of the Father for Jesus' perfect listening and Jesus' perfect response of faith. And so then from the inside out, we can hear the Christmas story. Not a story of shame and of guilt, but a beautiful call to us to say, look, look, I'm making all things new. Look, I'm the one that saves you. Look, I'm fulfilling my promises to you. Look, I will never leave you or forsake you. How can this be our story? This story becomes ours because the Bible tells us That even though we have rejected God as king over us, we want nothing to do with him and his leadership and his control. Even though we have rejected God in all of those ways, bringing God's wrath and anger and judgment on us. That here in this story, this is the beginning of the redemption story. As Jesus offers himself, his perfect life and his perfect death in our place. So that those who repent of sin and trust in Christ They are the ones that gain all of this. That the Christmas story becomes good news. We can actually say these promises are ours. Not just a little bit. Not just maybe. But these are always going to be ours. That nothing's going to snatch me out of His hand. That nothing's going to unsave me. Nothing is going to take me away from what God has promised for those who love Him. If you have questions about that, please grab me. Please grab me right after the service. Grab somebody that brought you. This is so important that we get. So Christmas is not just gifts and fun and peace on earth. It's actually God with us, saving us and promising that he will never leave us or forsake us. And that he will fulfill all that he plans to do in our lives. So then what? I want you to imagine with me what changes. What changes for a people that actually believe God is with them? What is it? What changes for you? If you actually believe that this week there's nothing that's going to change the fact that God is with me. Nothing's going to to change the fact that God promises to take as His name Emmanuel and that He will never leave or forsake you. Your home. If Jesus truly is God with us, then that means in your home. Jesus is with you in your home. What changes for people that actually embrace that? And beyond that, imagine the circle that God's put you in, the block that He's put you on, the team at work. Imagine what changes if there's one person there in that, on that block that actually believes God is here. He's with you. He's keeping His promises. What changes in your workplace? If there's a, if there's a person, if there's, a, if there's one person on one team that says this is actually true. And then imagine what happens for a community when that church actually believes God is with us and He's fulfilling His promises. We don't have to make anything happen for Him. Instead, we just have to embrace and receive and respond in faith. Let's pray. God, we love You. We thank You that the the Christmas story is You telling us what You're up to. God, help us to believe You and to respond in faith. We're so glad you joined us for Not Alone. Please connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and at BelgiumChurch.com.